Heavenly Father, as we open your word together this morning, we pray for open hearts to receive, minds that will be focused on your word, and it will be receptive to your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. On Thursday or Friday, I pulled into the Target parking lot, and it was very full. And I took the one spot that was as close as I felt like I could get, because it was also really cold outside, and it was right next to where the carts get returned. And so as I pulled in, I was thinking, I want to make sure I get as close as I can to save room for the person on the other side of me, but I also got to be able to open my door. So I'm watching and watching, and I pull in, and I mean, I left myself just enough that if I gained two or three pounds, I couldn't have gotten out of my van. And I get out, and I'm walking toward the back of my car, and I hear, oh, how am I supposed to even get in my car? And I thought, ooh, I wonder what that is. And I get out to the back part of my car, and I look to my left, and the lady's standing right there, and she looks at me. How am I even supposed to get into my car? I'm like, ah, and I go and look. I had left her like, I don't know, six inches between my car and hers. (laughs) I was not, like, I was just trying to not, like, hit the rail thing, and I wasn't even thinking about the other side. And I'm like, oh, let me move my car. And so I I moved my car. As I'm backing out, she kind of looks at me, and she huffs a little bit. And and I go, and I just, I parked somewhere else. I didn't want to get out and, (laughs) you know, have that conversation. But... As I'm going into Target, and as I'm walking around Target, I can't get it out of my head. And I'm thinking, why do we have to be like that? Like, why do we have to be so angry and, like, jerks to each other? And, and then I think, I, I do that. Like, I lose control at times. And, and, and sometimes it's because maybe I've had a bad day, or maybe she was having a bad day, or... And, and she had no patience for me. And honestly, I had no patience for her. I was like, you know, couldn't you have just been nice? That's what I'm thinking to myself. You could have just said, hey, would you mind moving your van? I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. But, but I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. Why? I would like to be a better, more patient, more gracious person. But... I think this is my problem, and maybe it's everybody else's problem. I am really, really reactionary. I'm not pro-action. I got into that circumstance. It happens to me, and I think, I want to be different. Before that circumstance, I wasn't thinking, I want to be different. How can I plan to be different? Instead, things happen to me, and then I respond, and somehow that's supposed to like, make it all better. What if our spiritual lives were planned? What if we had strategy for our spiritual lives? Open up your Bible to John chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 35. It's on page 1510. This is right after the gospel reading. John chapter 1 and verse 35, page 1510.
John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now notice, this is the next day. John has a whole group of disciples. They come out to the Jordan. They listen to John's teaching. They follow him as their rabbi. They are, they are doing what John wants them to do. But one of the things John keeps saying is there's somebody else coming. I want you to follow him. And so in this case, John has already testified. And what we read in the gospel was about John going, this is the one. But on that day, nobody followed. Now we're the next day. Jesus comes back. And John says again, look, that's the Lamb of God. And here's what happens. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? This is a crazy little scene. And here's what I imagine. I, these are the first words Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John. What do you want? Not exactly what you tend to think about with Jesus. More like, I love you, you're wonderful, your sins are free. What do you want? And what I picture is almost this kind of thing. Do you know when you're standing in a room and one of your children walks in and they just stand there kind of shuffling back and forth a little bit and you know they have a question for you, but they're not saying anything. And eventually you're like, what? <laughs> what do you want? Well, I mean, here's these, Jesus is walking along and suddenly there's two guys behind him not saying anything. And so he stops and he turns and he goes, what do you want? It's a really, really important question. It is a question that I think he would ask every single person in this room. What do you want? Why are you following me? What, what's your plan? What is it you're seeking after? By coming behind me, what do you want? And I think there are at least two reasons why he asks this question and why it's so important for us to think about. Here's the first one. Turn, if you will, to the book of Mark. We're going to go another gospel here. I'll give you the page number as soon as I get to it. Mark uh, chapter 1. It's page 1425. Part of epiphany is learning who Jesus is. Last week, I talked about the way he views righteousness. Not just as what we do, but how we do it. That for Jesus, holiness is definitely making the right decisions, but it's also what you do when you make those decisions, how you live that out. It is identifying with others. It's empathy, it's grace, it's all of those things that he has as part of righteousness. Here's a second thing about Jesus. Mark chapter 1 also verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. 
Now, that's the scene. All right? little background to this. Jesus has spent the day before this, the entire day into the night, teaching and healing and driving out demons. He has had a heck of a long, busy, tiring day right before this. And yet, the very next day, he gets up early in the morning before everybody else, while it is still dark, and he goes out and prays. While he's doing that, some people come to him, his disciples, and they go, hey, there's a whole crowd that is excited about you. They're looking for you. You are super popular. Here's the response. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is what I want to tell you about Jesus. He knows what he is about and he plans to fulfill that. Jesus knows his mission. And he organizes his life to fulfill it. He knows he needs to preach in all these other towns. He needs to go share the gospel. So what does he do? He gets up early before anyone can distract him so he has time with the Father to prepare to go and do his preaching. Guess what happens when people come and go, oh my gosh, there's this whole crowd looking for you. Isn't that exciting? That does not tempt him. Because he's already set in his mind, I know what my day is. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go seek the Father. Then I'm going to go to more towns and I'm going to preach. Why? Because my mission is to share the gospel. All right, for all of you that have organizers and planners, Jesus would have had one. (laughs) We can look at multiple different scenes and you can see the same kind of thing. Um, The... When he goes and he calls Matthew, the the sinner, the tax collector, to follow him. And then they go from that point and they have this big gathering where they eat dinner together with a bunch of sinners. And the leaders, they come and they say, why is your master doing this? And he says, I've come to call sinners, not the righteous. That's part of his mission. How does he fulfill that? He calls one of them to actually be his follower. Then he sets aside time to go and have meals with people that are sinners. Jesus is a planner. He's not a reactionary like I was in the parking lot. Jesus would have been like, I want to be more patient. So I'm going to figure out how to organize my life in such a way that I learn patience. I'm not just waiting for it to happen to me. When he says to the disciples, what do you want? It's because Jesus is someone who knows what he wants. Do you want to follow me? Why? What is it you're after? Let me tell you what happens when you don't know what you're after. I have a problem. And I know you may be thinking to yourself, only one? No, I have a lot. But I have one I'm going to share with you. This is my problem. I go to Costco without a plan. (laughs) That is my problem. You see, even this past week, I went to Costco, and I needed to get two things. I needed veggie pouches, and I needed dog food. I got into Costco, and as I walk in, I think, I might need that large basket. And so I get it. 
And then I'd begin walking down the aisles and go, i got to go down that aisle too, and this aisle over here, and that's on sale, and that's on sale, and then this always happens. I get up to the cash register, and this is their question every time. Did you find everything you need? And I go, I came in for two things, and I have two carts and 27 things. So no, (laughs) I got everything I didn't need. And then I get home. And I do not have dog food. I still do not have dog food. Do you know what that means? I get to go back to Costco next week (laughs) and fill two more carts full of stuff. No, when you don't plan at Costco, you get a bunch of stuff you don't need and you miss the things you actually need. Guess what happens in your spiritual life? Just think about your own spiritual life. How many things have you accomplished that you want to? How many things have you ended up ignoring? How many things do you think, I wish that were different? But then ask yourself, what is the plan? What's the strategy? Is it intentional? Because Jesus was very intentional. That's the thing I want you to see about him. I really have no issue standing up here and saying, I think Jesus was a planner. How do they respond? And maybe ask yourself, when Jesus says, Mike, what do you want? Bev, what do you want? How do you respond to him? The rest of you too. I'm just picking on a few people. All right, back to John. Here's their response. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Which sounds like a very innocent, like, you know, what does all that mean? And yet, it's a really seriously profound response. It might be the best response you could give. It has two parts to it. Here's the first. Rabbi. And the second is, where are you staying? And I'm going to translate for you. Here's what they're saying. What do you want for my life? Because here's what I'm doing. John was my rabbi. Now you are. I want to know where you're staying because I want to come be with you to learn from you. It's a very profound response because it is a complete switch of allegiance. That's not my rabbi anymore. You are. I'm not going to learn from him any longer. I'm going to learn from you. That is the best response you could have to Jesus. Jesus, what do you want for my life? Right now, I am following these things. I don't fully know what my life should be. I know partly. I'll know more after I sit under you. And you teach me. Where are you staying? So we can come be with you and learn from you. And that switch of allegiance, I think, is something that, one, it's, I think it is easy to miss. I would challenge everybody in the room to go home, to sit down, and to begin writing out, why do I do the things I do? What is actually most important to me? Why do I make some of the decisions I make? Why do I treat people the way that I treat them? 
and see how many of those things genuinely, authentically go back to Jesus. Because I know in my own life, there's a lot more of my life that should go back to Jesus. And it doesn't. It goes back to insecurities. It goes back to laziness. It goes back to apathy. It goes back to, I just want certain things. How much of it goes back to him? Because that switch for for these disciples, it's so visual. I mean, they literally go, this was my teacher. We used to come out to the Jordan River, and we would listen to his teaching. Now, this is my teacher, and we're going to walk back with him wherever he's staying and sit with him and learn from him. We don't get that visual. We do have the experience, though, multiple times in life. So if you've ever moved across country, you get an experience of very distinct life. So from Texas to Iowa, it's really different. If Texas was one rabbi and Iowa is now the rabbi, it's very different. Now the most obvious, as everyone has told me over and over again and I've experienced, is the weather. If you have the Texas rabbi... You basically have two seasons. It's either kind of cold or super stinking hot with like a week of fall and a week of spring. And then you come here and you actually have some seasons, but it's really stinking cold, but really pretty in the fall. And just gorgeous, especially this past fall. That was awesome. Um, But there's a lot of other things that are different too when you make that move. We had to buy different clothing because we weren't ready for this. We are now shopping at a high V. We didn't have a high V. When we have to decide we're going to go somewhere, we have to think so differently because in Frisco, Texas, there's all of these very fast roads, toll roads, 70 to 75 miles an hour, and you might travel like 15 miles to go to some place. Here, if you travel 15 miles, you're outside of the city. And if you tell somebody to go to this place and they're on one side, they're like, that's too far away. I'm thinking, that, what are you talking about? Like I could ride my bike there. It's really different. Sports. Oh, man, when you're in the Mecca of Dallas and the Cowboys and the Mavericks are your favorite team and then you come here. Oh, by the way, Lisa, we're up to eight. Eight Dallas Cowboy fans now because my, my son joined our team. It's really different. Here's the symbol. When I went in to get my Iowa license, they wanted me to turn in my Texas license. I didn't have to. If you're in Illinois, you have to. You can't get it without doing it. Um, here they just ask you to, but you can keep it if you want. I, I turned it in. But like all of a sudden, my identity was Texas. Now, now it's Iowa. It should be that radical in following Christ. And part of the way it becomes that is how he responds to them. Verse 39. Come, he said. And you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Here's what Jesus says. Then come. Come to me. Come with me. Right? Christianity is an action religion. It's not just an intellectual religion. It really isn't just about what you know or believe or think. 
Right? Think about how Jesus says, I'm going to summarize the whole Old Testament. Love God, love your neighbor. Those aren't thinking things. Those are doing things. What he says to the disciples, if you obey my word, then you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Then you'll be set free. It's very action-oriented. And it's not to say that knowledge and everything isn't important. They're going to go learn from him. We need to learn from him. But it is about coming to him and doing those things he tells us to do. You can't see until you come. There are no previews like in movies. You know, you get to watch that little segment and you're like, oh man, that's a great movie. That's not really how Christianity works. You only see the fullness of what it means to follow Christ as you step into following him. As you see faith work in your life. As you go, Jesus, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because you told me to. And all of a sudden, the Spirit starts working in your life. Because Christianity is an action, faith, religion. We come, and then we see. How do you come to Jesus? I don't know. Let's start with what we talked about at the beginning. Maybe start thinking about your spiritual life and going, what if I were to organize my life around my spiritual walk. Now, everybody's here on a Sunday morning, so some part of it is organized around that. What else is? What, what other parts of your life are actually organized to learn from, follow, and obey Jesus? As a church, I just shared in the announcements what we're going to be doing in 2023. In order to build this community... There's a couple things we're going to do. What if you organized part of your spiritual life around those things? So you participated in what your church was doing in building faith, building family, and building relationships. Organize your life around your spiritual life. That's what he's calling us to. During the holiday season in Chicago, there's a small bookstore. They made an amazing sale to an individual. They sold $800 worth of cookbooks and art books. The owner said it was about a third of their overall rent for a month. I mean, it was huge for them. You can imagine these brick-and-mortar stores... During the holidays, this small store when you've got so much in Chicago you could choose from. And then after the holidays, the person returned all the books. They bought them to decorate their house during the holidays. And you can imagine the blow to the, you know. Now, the good news is the owner of this store just kind of shared this on social media and said she wasn't really trying to be mean. She was just couldn't believe it happened. And like there was this outpouring of people from all over that just bought books from this store. But it really, really made me think. I love cooking. I really do love cooking. Um, I like art. I kind of want to like it more. But 
if you take a cookbook and an art book and you use them for decoration, it might look good and somebody might come into your house and be like, that's, wow. Um, but there is so much more they could be doing. There is so much more $800 worth of cookbooks and art books could do for your life if you'd actually use the books. Our faith can be really easily something that is kind of a decoration in our life. I mean, how many of you, and I'm going to ask, and I, this last week I'm going to do, how many of you often feel better when you go to church on a Sunday morning? Brave enough to raise your hand? Um, it can be something where it's just kind of a decoration in our life. We feel a little better. We hear a good message. Maybe we get to see friends. All that's fine. But Jesus can be so much more in our lives. What will he be in your life? Or his question, what do you want? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. For the things he teaches us. For just the, the joy of being able to see his life. Father, I pray all of us would consider that question. What do we want? And if the answer is, whatever Jesus wants for our life, then we too would come. We would begin to organize our lives. We would think of planning out our spirituality that we might grow and become more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.